Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to Millions of Screens. I'm creative producer Leo Garcia, joined via Zoom by TV Awards editor Libby Hill and TV deputy editor Ben Travers. Today, we're talking Ted Lasso, because we got to talk Ted Lasso all the time. We'll be we'll have another edition of Corgi Corner with Ann Donahue. That too. And finally, Steve Green, the recommendation machine, stops by on this election day to chat about some shows that might be worth watching this Tuesday and any subsequent Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> only only Tuesdays. Tuesdays. Only Tuesdays. These these shows are only only for Tuesdays. <laughs> Well, skipping ahead to the clicker, this week it was announced that Ted Lasso season three is on its way. Even before on the on the precipice of season two filming, Apple TV Plus has said, "Give us some more Ted Lasso. We want more of that." English footy. I do love Ted Lasso. I'm very excited to hear this news. And I think it's it's a real sign of confidence in this show uh, for a number of reasons. Obviously, it, it got greenlit before season two came out. So that's the first and foremost thing. Uh, but also, it got greenlit before season two started production. And season two is scheduled to start production in January in Europe. And like, as that news, like when that news release came out, we were like moments away from getting a lot more news releases about how Europe was shutting things back down because of COVID. So it's just like, they're like, we don't even care. Like, we don't even care if this production goes off. Like, we know what those reports are saying. We know how hard this is going to be. We're still going to make a third season. It might take us two, three, four years to pump it out there, but we're going to do it because that's how important Ted Lasso is to us. Uh, Even if Apple stops to exist before Ted Lasso uh, hit season three, they'll figure out a way to get season three to us. What you're saying is uh, that the streamer is prioritizing uh, the creation of this show cast primarily with men um Mm. and and its continued production in the face of increasing covid expenses uh for production um no i don't think i would say it i definitely wouldn't say it like that because i didn't (laughs) say it like that Uh, and 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 here's the thing libby you wouldn't say it like that either if you had watched ted lasso season one (laughs) and i know that you made a promise on last week's pod that you were saving Ted Lasso for what I assume is post going to be World the post series. post yeah the post election stupor we're all going to be in. Yeah. So there's I no know. time like the present. I know. To jump on it's board. Coming. It's coming, and I'm excited for it. Uh, if only for us to stop talking about it. Um, we'll never stop talking about Ted that's Lasso. That's true. Well, guys, last Thursday, last Thursday. Uh, the trailer, the official trailer for Netflix's The Crown dropped. And as we mentioned before, we could discuss it amongst ourselves, but why not bring in an expert? So 
we're throwing to executive editor Ann Donahue for yet another edition of Corgi Corner. This week, we get our first official look at the full trailer of The Crown, or as I like to call it, posh, awful British people being awful to each other in really nice buildings and really nice clothes. Seriously, though, this gives us an actual kind of substantive look at Olivia Coleman and Gillian Anderson as their face-off as the Queen versus the Prime Minister, which is one of the two major storylines of the season. I'm a little bit wary going into it that it might be a reductive framing of the relationship between the two. I don't I don't want it to be a rah-rah girl power kind of thing, and I don't want it to be a cat fight either. And this trailer kind of hinges on the cat fight attitude a little too much, I think. We'll have to wait and see when the show comes out on November 15th, if that's really the case. The other big storyline, of course, is Charles and Diana. I love my Gen X heart is just so happy that they're using the Smiths to underscore this trailer and all the moody awfulness of that era and that music really comes to light and is a contrast to the beauty and the spectacle of this show. Um, people are already Googling those outfits in the trailer from Princess Diana. I did, and yes, she actually did have those plaid pink pants and plaid shirt that she's seen roller skating through Buckingham Palace in. All this comes about two weeks before the show comes out, and it's really interesting to kind of see the countdown of how all the storylines are coming together in the media that they're releasing to promote it. Something to look forward to after this election thing we have going on next week. And we're back. Were we going to wait the entire time that she's actually doing it? (laughs) No, I was waiting for you to welcome us back because I also wanted to tease that uh, while reviews for The Crown remain under embargo, uh, I believe until the following week of of this episode coming out, um, Anne Donahue was so eager to put her thoughts to paper that she has uh, shared it with me. I have edited it. It is ready to go. It will launch uh whenever that is supposed to happen i've already forgotten um but you are all in for a treat uh make sure you seek out and donahue slash indie wires review of the crown season four because hot damn it's immaculate can i ask y'all a question about crown casting because there's some rumors going around um and while i do want Anne's official thoughts on those rumors um i have i have to question the the methodology here so the rumor right now is that Dominic West will be uh, the star of The Wire, star of uh, The Affair, star of a lot of gross tabloid shots of kissing young women. Um, we'll be playing Prince Charles next. Dominic West of Mona Lisa Smile fame. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. I'm always there to help. Jennifer got one of... Mona Lisa smile fame. Boy. Uh, yeah, Jennifer Goodwin really gets, uh, she gets left out of the poster. She gets omitted from the poster and she's like a major character in that movie. Okay, but no, that's really weird. He's so old and looks nothing like <laughs> Prince Charles. Why is that happening? Well, we don't know if it's happening. Maybe it's not. Maybe it was just like too convenient of a story not to run when they got the gossip. Like okay, that's it fair. all of all of those unfortunate photos that you just mentioned had just happened. So that's very true. And and, and also and also as as you uh, uh, thinking about Tobias Menzies and all the makeup they put on him to make him look like Prince Philip, they got a great you know uh, hair and makeup crew. They're gonna put some prosthetics on him to make him look more like Charles. 
You'll barely be able to tell it's McNulty under there. I hope that I hope that Peter Morgan works at least uh, one. The fuck did I do in there for uh, Prince Charles to utter uh, as as things are falling apart? So yeah, we are we are releasing this on election day, and we thought it'd be uh, a good time to bring in Steve for a potential patriotic or or not so patriotic uh, recommendation uh, based on on everything that's going on right now in the world. Uh, Steve, what, what do you what do you have, have for us? Uh, I I have what the Constitution means to me, uh, which is something that I know you guys have talked about a little bit on the show already, but. Uh, it was it, like, like you said, it was recently released a couple weeks ago. Uh, but obviously, you know, with everything that's going on right now, it, it does seem like an ideal time to watch this, especially as we are sort of at a possible inflection point in a lot of different ways in our political environment and our social environment. Uh, and I think one of the things that comes across in the show for people who haven't seen it, um, Heidi Schreck, uh, it is a uh, uh, mostly a monologue. Uh, based in um, her experiences as a teenager participating in uh, co- in constitutional based debates uh, in public forums, uh, but then from there, uh, the story goes on to to address the ways in which specific amendments of the Constitution have reverberated through not just her life but the overall fabric of the country uh, since its inception and. I think for now, uh, even though the the performance that made up the the final filmed version was filmed uh, last August, uh, obviously there have been a lot of things that have happened since then that have made this more relevant, uh, including the fact that uh, Mariel Heller uh, directed this filmed adaptation, and she con- she consciously includes a lot of audience reaction shots in this. Uh, I think some people who uh, have never seen a show like this before uh, would get the impression that it's it's designed to be sort of one woman's interpretation of a particular topic that she's sort of giving to the audience and is just sort of uh, disseminating it from on high. But even though there's not uh, a whole lot of direct active audience participation, uh, this is one of the most audience involved shows that you'll see in this format uh, because of not just what Heidi's saying uh, to the audience, but because the overall message is that even though this is a, a document that has, has existed in its own form for hundreds of years, it really depends on a active role in politics and an active role in democracy to make it work for everyone for which it's intended to work. And so I think right now, especially as Voting is happening, and and like I said, we are at sort of a, a national inflection point. Uh, it, it just seems like the the perfect way to spend uh, just short of two hours thinking about our individual place in this overall framework and what we can be doing on a day to day basis to ensure that it works for everyone, not just for a privileged few. White Libby, dudes. I've heard. I, White I've heard landowners. That. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I, I was watching uh, All In, and my favorite part of is just at the very beginning, it says, like, after the, the Constitution is written, uh, it was written for 6% of the population. Yeah, and, and, and I think, I think uh, and this is something I think, Libby, you touched on in your piece that you wrote about it. I, I think one of the things that comes across in that piece is that she's not just doing, obviously, this is informed by her own personal perspective, but she does make a space to acknowledge that that what she's talking about is... This is a conversation where 
it benefits from having so many different kinds of voices in this. Uh, and uh, I, I think one of the best ways that comes across is is in the sort of the final segment when uh, when she uh, she does bring on uh, a a younger participant in this story, and and the two of them have a chance to address what's happening now, uh, given all of the historical context that she's giving up to this point. Yeah, yeah, I um, I think Heidi uh, Heidi Schrock is very smart in the way that she designed this show. Um, it's it's one thing to come out and and sort of excoriate the founding fathers for creating a document under which the country is operated that only benefits them. But as a white woman, like if we're talking about people who were on the very next level of, of who the document benefited, they, they were, I mean, not right there. They were down a little bit, but they were that next second level. So Shrek is very, very aware that as difficult as uh, her, her, forebears found um, existence in the country as, as as difficult as her mother, grandmother, great-grandmother had it. Um, these issues are only intensified and, and exacerbated for people of color, women of color. Um, it, it, it's, uh, she, she goes to special lengths to, to try and make this an inclusive uh, conversation about the failings of of a document that we sometimes um, we we sometimes labor under the misconception is is to protect us when primarily it's to protect land. So uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a very um, it's very inspiring. It's very touching. It's it's um, it's it's sort of a firebrand and what it made me think about and we talked about this a little bit before we started recording is how this is sort of the patriotism of the moment like there's a lot less um kind of i mean there are certain segments of the country where you can find just straight jingoism but but as as opposed to rah-rah patriotism we are very much in a that's great let's burn it all down kind of of patriotism um taking back our country, but like for good, um, as opposed to taking back our country 200 years. Um, so yeah, I, I'm very interested in, in how not just uh, constitution, but, but other, other, um, other programs, other films, other, other TV series are, are kind of um, embracing that theme. Um, ben, you were talking about a show that when we were talking about that before that you thought of immediately when I, when, when during that conversation. Yeah. I'm guessing Steve had a, a similar thought considering our, our shared enthusiasm for uh, Showtime's the good Lord bird, which uh, it is not a spoiler to say opens with a shot of um, Ethan Hawke playing John Brown uh, as he's about to uh, be executed and uh, he's standing on the podium and they put the noose around his neck and his last words before a bag gets thrown over his head to be hung for treason um, is, uh, oh, what a beautiful country. And uh, it's just one of those jarring moments of something that feels uh, like a sentiment and a moment that should be diametrically opposed. And then the series, you know, plays out to show you that, that, 
this man lived his life so fiercely believing in this idea and fighting for that very specific idea by destroying the what was considered at the time the foundation of the country, which was slavery. And, and he took no, uh, no alternate route to that path. He, he accepted no other version of, of anything other than uh, what he believed was his mission from God uh, to, to cleanse this country of its original sin. And um, again, I, I, when I wrote that review for the show, I wrote about that line and how it feels so strange to um, watch someone be so proud of something uh, that so many of us have a hard time expressing in the same way right now. Like it just isn't a, a popular notion to be even to say that you're feeling patriotic. Like you don't use that word. That word is associated with um, this kind of weird alt-right sentiment of bearing arms and, and uh, doing horrible things uh, to protect an older version of the nation that does not need to be protected or preserved. Um, but again, like watching that show, and seeing that, you know, we've had to go through this before. We've had to take similar steps um, to kind of reboot and restart and take a, a, a new look at uh, at what we believe to be our foundation and, uh, you know, update it. So, um, yeah, I, I, I really love that show. And I'm very much looking forward to watching more shows like it, like the one you mentioned, as soon as I can. I, I think and this is another thing we were talking about before we started recording is, is sort of the shift from looking at certain political figures and notable public political figures as the as just rooting for them versus using them as an excuse to get more involved yourself. That that uh, that yes, we do have politicians who have a certain form of celebrity, um, but I think that there's a there's a marked shift in how those figures are being shown, especially in the documentary space, as not just uh, singular people sent to sort of save democracy for us, but people to inspire us to be active to see the version of democracy that we want to see in our own country, if that makes any sense. That makes a lot of sense, Steve. I'm so glad that you mentioned documentaries uh, in that regard, because um, I have seen a wonderful documentary and I don't know if I've talked about it on this podcast before or to any of you, um, as of yet, but, uh, Steve James, uh, Oscar winning filmmaker, Steve James, uh, has made his second docuseries after the wonderful America to me. And this one is called city. So real it premiered Thursday, October 29th. Uh, it is now available to stream in full on Hulu. Um, and one of the, the best things that Steve James has always been able to do in his documentaries is uh, he is able to have conversations with people that um, kind of gets down to the raw, basic parts of their humanity and whatever struggle they're going through or whatever their life has kind of been built around up to this point and connect those things to a broader picture. And he does this so beautifully with this with this documentary in that the, the documentary is ostensibly about the 2019 Chicago mayoral race when Rob Emanuel bowed out and they had an unprecedented 21 candidates uh, submit to be part of the ballot and, and to, to, you know, win the Chicago mayorship. Uh, and he tracks multiple candidates and he goes from 
you know, there's there's a daily on the ballot who obviously remains very much kind of in the distance, untouchable, disconnected figure who is not willing to let people in and, and be interviewed all the time. But uh, the eventual winner, uh, as well as a number of other like very interesting candidates and compelling people uh, kind of let Steve James in all the time. And he has these kind of just side by side car conversations or. Uh, walking down the street with them while they're, you know, uh, handing out flyers or going door to door to get votes. Um, he has like a, a bunch of scenes with just the constituents too, that, that again, like frame what the mayors, uh, like what the candidates are trying to accomplish in their race with what the people are actually struggling with on a day-to-day reality. And, you know, this was, this was shot and completed for Sundance back in January. Uh, but it is very much, uh, focused on on police brutality, on um, the, the violence that's stricken Chicago, um, the protests that have risen up around that, and then you know how that's kind of shaped their community and their neighborhoods. Uh, and this, you know, it becomes more and more applicable by the day as we went through 2020. And then, what do you know? When the series actually comes out on Nat Geo, Steve James had shot an additional episode to include all of the more recent protests and all of the, uh, the kind of national movement that surrounded a lot of these issues to connect how Chicago is representative of America as a whole and how these individuals kind of add up to, you know, the wide, wide look at what America is going through and the different positions they have. And it's just such a grounded presentation. And it just, it, it brings all of these people, all of these, you know, people who could easily become symbols who are just, you know, like the, the mayor uh, became, you know, meme fodder when COVID began for her kind of stern uh, implementation of different rules and procedures. Uh, but you you absolutely get like down and dirty with her in and off, like in her own home and, and with her family and, and off the campaign trail to get to know them outside of, of that kind of iconography. And um, it's just a, it's just a really beautiful series. It's something that to me, it's hard to talk about in a, in a, in a way, because obviously it's dealing with a lot of important issues that are difficult for people, but it is such an easy show to watch. And it's such an easy way to process a lot of these things and to kind of get closer to them. And I feel like that's what we all want right now. We all just want to have a better understanding of what's going on and and not who we're up against, but you know how people are feeling out in the world. And um, I just really love that documentary and how he was able to do that. And I feel like the timing of its release is, is great. And I just hope people don't look past it once today is over, if today is Tuesday when you're listening to this. So uh, please remember City So Real on Hulu. Yeah, I think that I just want to go back to Steve's point. I think my, and this links to what the constitution means to me. I think what's most rousing, first of all, what the constitution, constitution means to me is exactly the type of show that if I read the synopsis of it, I'd be like, I don't want to watch that. I would hate that. And it actually probably starts like that show. And I think uh, she's incredibly smart in how she sort of reels you in through like, you're watching a one woman show. And then it has all the trappings of a one woman show, but then it really is not that thing. Um, but, but it ends with a very rousing, like if, if, you don't, if you don't like either of the, without spoiling what it is, either of the answers of the debate, you know, go out there and, and you run for office. And you can you can make the changes and you can be the people who are who are in the room where it happens to quote another another stage show turned.
And it, it, it's uh, it's optimistic without being oh, rose colored. So yeah. Like 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 there there's there's an acknowledgement that that there is there are generations of of barriers that are put in your way for one person to affect any change. But I think that there is there's a way that she tells the story that uh, doesn't make you despair that 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 is the case. And and it does it even if it doesn't offer you a direct roadmap to to change the things that that you think that this country is failing certain people at and for uh, there at least is an acknowledgement that um, that if you if you know the history in full and you work to understand what has led to this point, that gives you a better understanding of what you can do going forward. And hopefully we're moving forward in Joe Biden's America, baby. <laughs> baby. And if you're listening to this in 2020, if you're listening to this after the 2022 midterms, uh, trying to remember what it was like two years ago, um, I, I hope baseball still exists. <laughs> Steve, thank you so much for being here and chatting. Uh, some great docs and shows people should check out in the wake of the election. Um, yeah, and I guess we'll, we'll see you next time. We need some uh, recommendations from Steve Green, the recommendation end of the years, machine. End of the year's coming around the corner. I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll <laughs> if, you, if you want me to come back in December, I'll just like throw rapid fire. I'll just be like this one and this one and this one and this one and this one. Millions of Screens is a production of the Penske Media Corporation and IndieWire. Our theme music features excerpts of the classic YouTube video of Bjork talking about our TV and Willy Wonk and the Chocolate Factory. Our editor-in-chief is Dana Harris-Brightson. Our publisher is James Israel. And our executive editor is Anne Donahue. Our favorite actors in the picture Mona Lisa Smile are Maggie Gyllenhaal, Jennifer Goodwin, and the aforementioned Dominic West. Millions of Screens... Official Mona Lisa Smile actor endorsement is Kirsten Dunst as Elizabeth Betty Warren. I will say I have no attachment to Kiki in this particular role, but she is still the best of the best. So I will say I've thing. never seen this movie, despite <laughs> loving the entire cast. And I'm just going to, I choose to believe that Kristen Warren is playing like the Elizabeth Warren. Or Kristen Dunst is playing like the Elizabeth Warren. Um... Oh, she is not. She is not. <laughs> That's true. She's not. Oh, wow. She what? is not. The, is she the scant recollections I have of this film, she's like a very hoity toity. Uh, she is like the opposite. Housewife. All right. You can find us on Twitter at a million screens, at Midwest Spitfire, at Ben T. Travers, and at Leah Adrian Garcia. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play. So leave a review so we can read it. We need more reviews so that we can read them. On the pod. This is Ben, Libby, and Leo remind you as always that you shouldn't let poets lie to you. You shouldn't let poets lie to you. Ain't nothing wrong with a couple of cold brews and a cool podcast. <laughs>